pile of vans. I beg your pardon? Who said that? I haven't seen you since you solved the Kennel murder case. How are you? Well, for the love of... Nick Charles, what are you doing up there? Impersonating a book cover? Shh. I'm working on a case. Don't tell me you've gone back to detective work. I thought you had turned respectable. Didn't you get married? Oh, didn't I? Vance, I married a girl in a million. I heard it was a girl uh, with a million. Well, same thing. I've become a California gentleman. I never heard of such a thing. What are you doing here in New York? Well, it seems that Clark Gable is making some personal appearances here, which uh, interests my wife. And there's a very good bar at the Ritz, which is all right with me. So we popped into town to play. But would you believe it? Before you could say Metro Golden Mayor, I stepped right into the middle of a baffling murder mystery, and they put me to work. Well, you poor fellow, you have my deepest sympathy. I can use it. Believe me, Vance, this case is a toughie. It all revolves about a tall, thin man. I was standing at the bar of the Ritz one day, uh, reaching for an olive, when a very pretty girl suddenly popped up in front of me and said, uh, Hello there. Hello. Uh, another glass. How are you? You know, we do know each other. Certainly, we've known each other for years. Aren't you Nick Charles? Yes. You don't remember me. I'm Dorothy Wynant. How is your father? Oh, that's what I came to ask you. He's disappeared. Chris, what are you going to do? That's what I said I'd do. Oh, Chris, you wouldn't do that. Ah! Nicky. Automatically, it's... Nicky, put uh... Asta in here with me tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah? Nice missing. I'll look for it in your back. It's about Julia Wolf. Did you kill her? Gilbert! Well, why not? You had a perfectly good motive. How'd you like to have a couple of little murderers for your children? And maybe I haven't been on a merry-go-round since that day. Are you, uh, anywhere near a solution? Between you and me, I think so. I got all the suspects together at a dinner party. And then I pulled a fast one. I told them. And the murderer is right here in this room tonight. He's sitting here at this table. Are you uh, sure that the murderer is one of that group? Not absolutely. But I know where to find out. Where? Right in there. Now, you watch me. I'm going to dissolve slowly into this book. If you'll stand by, I'll give you the answer. Hey, everybody. We're here to talk about The Thin Man, the 1934 classic directed by W.S. Van Dyke and starring the unbeatable team of William Powell and Myrna Loy. And our new guest, Melissa Phillips, is here. Hello, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you here. I've been wanting to talk about The Thin Man for a long time, and I didn't know anybody else that was particularly a huge fan of this movie, necessarily. And then when you reached out to me and said that you were a big fan, I thought, oh, this is perfect, because I, I love this. This is one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, mainly because it's it's William Powell and Myrna Loy, who are my all-time favorite movie duo, hands down. Uh, the plot, as such, 
is basically uh, there's a guy named Clyde Winant. He is actually the thin man in this movie. He's supposed to be on a, sp- a secret business trip and promises to be home before his daughter's wedding, but has mysteriously vanished. His daughter, Dorothy Winant, played by Maureen Sullivan, convinces a retired detective named Nick Charles to take the case, much to the amusement of his socialite wife, Nora, played by Myrna Loy. Uh, it starts out as a missing persons case, but when Winant's former secretary and love interest, Julia Wolfe, is found dead, evidence points to Winant as the prime suspect, but Dorothy refuses to believe that her father is is guilty. Nick then begins to uncover clues and eventually solves the mystery of the disappearance through a series of investigative steps. I don't know about you, Melissa, but I've seen this movie, I don't know, probably about a dozen times so far, and I have yet to really been able to follow the mystery. Uh, do you have the same problem? A little bit. It all just happens so fast. It is kind of hard to keep up with the details, but they, they're not that important, really. Exactly. I mean, this movie's only 93 minutes, and really, the, it doesn't really matter what the mystery's all about. What The reason you're watching this movie and the reason it's famous is because it is the second pairing of William Powell and Myrna Loy. They had first appeared together in Manhattan uh, Melodrama, which was also directed by W.S. Van Dyke. And apparently, when Van Dyke got the assignment to do The Thin Man to adapt uh, Dashiell Hammett's book, he said William Powell and Myrna Loy would be perfect for this. And apparently, MGM did not see Myrna Loy in that role. She was basically sort of famous for playing exotic villainesses, which is bizarre to think of now. But uh, they were like, eh, I don't know about Myrna Loy. And they, Van Dyke apparently held firm and said, no, no, it's got to be Myrna. And they said, well, if you can get the film done in under three weeks, you can have Myrna Loy. And so he said, okay. And W.S. Van Dyke shot this entire movie in 16 days, which is just inconceivable to me that you can make an entire movie in 16 days and make it look as polished uh, as this. So what's, like, Melissa, when did you first see this movie? Like, why do you love The Thin Man? So- I have to say, I think the first time I saw it, I was probably around 10 years old, actually. We were doing something around the house. My mom always had Turner Classic on. She just liked watching old movies and stuff. And then this started to come on. I think they were showing all of them. It's just like, oh, Melissa, you'll like this. It has a dog in it. And I'm a dog lover. So I was like, okay, cool. And Asta, as we know, comes in and is very prominent. So, yeah, I just watched it and I really liked it. I thought, you know, they were all really witty and funny. And, you know, there's some slapstick and lots of just little jeering around and physical comedy and stuff. So I just enjoyed it from the get-go. And it was, kind of became a staple. Like, we would, we got the DVDs. We would watch them on vacations. Or they do, like, marathons every now and then. And we'd always just pop them on because they're just funny. We were kind of an unusual house. Yeah. <laughs> was your mom a big fan of those, of those two in particular, William Powell and Myrna Loy? Uh, she liked them. But it was mostly, like, we just grew up watching old movies. Like, we grew up, my sister wanted to be an MGM musicals when she grew up. And my mom had to break it to her that they didn't make them in the 90s. So <laughs> they weren't making them anymore. Yeah, I mean, these these two are perfect together. Uh, they went on actually to make 14 films together, so much so that some people in real life thought that they were married and they were not. They just had incredible chemistry. And it's sort of interesting that the first line that Nick has when we see him in a bar is him shaking uh, uh, what's like a, a gin mixer. And his first line is, the most important thing is the rhythm. The important thing is the rhythm. Always have rhythm in your shaking. On Manhattan, you shake to foxtrot time. A Bronx, to uh, two-step time. A dry martini, you always shake to waltz time. (laughs) 
that would end up being true of their relationship because they said these two just have an unbelievable chemistry. And the, the, the intro of both these characters, first of all, it's kind of unusual that this film takes 11 minutes before we even meet Nick or Nora. I mean, the whole first 10 minutes of the movie are devoted to the Winant mystery. And then we meet Nora, who was being dragged into this uh, posh restaurant by Asta. Madam, I'm kind of very sorry, but no dog can fit in here. Madam, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You can't. I'm not taking him. He's taking me. Oh! Are you hurt, madam? Are you hurt, madam? Are you hurt, madam? Women and children first, boys. Say, what is the score, anyway? Oh, so it's you he was after. Hello, sugar. He's dragged me into every gin mill on the block. Yeah, I had him out this morning. Oh, I thought so. Oh, uh, uh, this is Tommy, uh, my wife. How are you? Tommy? How do you do? Tommy, I don't usually look like this. I've been Christmas shopping. Madam, I'm afraid we shall take the dog out. Oh, it's all right, Joe. It's all right. It's my dog. And, uh, uh, my wife. Well, you might have mentioned me first on the billing. The dog's well trained. He'll behave himself. It might bite somebody. Oh, he's all right. Look, lie down. Lie down. Stand up. <laughs> oh, any luck? Yes, he's just round the corner. Your father? No, Macaulay. I'm just going to go and see him. Oh, oh, uh, uh my wife. This is Dorothy Winant. How do you uh, do? I'm sorry we have to rush. See, we're stopping in the Normandy for a couple of weeks. Drop around, see us. Well, we'd love to. Thank you. Goodbye. 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 Sit down, Shiga. Oh, Leo. Pretty girl. Yes, yeah, she's a very nice type. You got types? Only you, darling. Lanky brunettes with wicked jaws. Leo, compliments this season. Who is she? Oh, darling, I was hoping I wouldn't have to answer that. Come on. Well, Dorothy is really my daughter. You see, it was spring in Venice. And I was so young, I didn't know what I was doing. We're all like that on my father's side. By the way, how is your father's side? Oh, it's much better, thanks. And yours? Say, how many drinks have you had? This will make six martinis. All right. Will you bring me five more martinis? Leo, line them right up here. Yes, ma'am. When he says, uh, hello, sugar, is one of the warmest things, like, I've ever seen. Right. Like, it's so beautiful. He, the affection in his voice for her is so unbelievable. And... The whole mystery at that point is just put aside for a couple of minutes as they just do like their whole routines together. And then there's, they sit down together and they have this whole bit about how many drinks have you had? And he says, oh, I've had uh, – this will make five. And she, she reaches up to the bartender and says, OK, I want five martinis and line them up all in a row here right in front of me so she can catch up with him. It's a, they're just beautiful together. Right, right. They work so well together and also just like their intros – it kind of goes back to the humor for me because how many like leading women in the thirties, like the first time you see her, it's just the dog dragging her and you see this huge fur, but then she just falls right on her face, like right to open the movie. I'm like, there's not too many starlets I can remember in thirties movies who would just like fall over right out the gate. Yeah. I mean, they, they have a real impudent sort of tone to, to their relationship first with each other. And then with, with the movie, I mean, there's a scene later on where someone, there's a police, uh, police officer on a phone call and Nick and Nora are standing off to the side. And while this phone call is being made, like they're making funny faces at one another. It's like, they're not even really caring that much about right. the film's plot. It reminds me of uh, Groucho Marx, you know, the way Groucho Marx would look like he got bored sometimes during his own movies. And he would just sort of like start wandering around the set. 
he kind of has that feel to it. It's like they're just not <laughs> taking any of this terribly seriously. I, I saw this movie for the first time when I worked at the video store I've been several years at, and I think – it was funny. When I think about it, my first exposure to The Thin Man and, and Nick and Nora is not Nick and Nora. It's actually the film Murder by Death, which uh, I profiled on Film and Water way back around episode 12 with Luke Dobb, where that field, that features David Niven and Maggie Smith as Dick and Dora Charleston, which are parodies of Nick and Nora. But when I first saw the movie, I'd never heard of Nick and Nora. I didn't know that that was a thing. I just accepted Dick and Dora as like, okay, that this, these are just the characters. So then later, I go and I watch the Thin Man movie. Oh, okay, this is what this is parodied on. And, you know, I was a relatively young man when I saw those movies and I was getting into the idea of like, what kind of relationship would I want to have? You know, if I went, you know, once I started dating or had a long time girlfriend, what kind of girlfriend would I like? And it's like, this was it. This was the relationship that I would want. These two, they seem, they're so in love with each other, but they're just so a bunch of smart asses. Uh, and they're so slick. I mean, William Powell looks great in his suits and Myrna Loy looks wonderful in her outfits. And they're just, they look like, their life together is sort of effortless. I mean, part of it is that uh, the, the idea is that Nora is a heiress. So she's got a ton of money and Nick lives off that money. And that's what they sort of just glide through life, drinking and partying and doing all sorts of things. And so it seems like, it seems like an incredibly glamorous life they have. Right. There's actually kind of one of my favorite lines. I think it's at their Christmas Eve party or something when they're in the kitchen making drinks and she's trying to convince him to take the case and talking to him. And he's just like, Oh no. He's like, I'm far too busy uh, looking after the money I married you for. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of cracking up about it. Yeah, I mean, it's stuff like that. I mean, it's just didn't, it, that seems very novel for, for a 1934 movie, just to see a married couple where they weren't – they don't ever bicker. You know, they're not like the whole battle axe thing where they hate one another. Or it's, it's, it's not what this is about. This is about two people that are impossibly in love with one another, and then you just get wrapped up in this murder mystery. There's a whole great scene where a bunch of old Nick's uh, sort of detective friends they're, – they're not detectives, but like friends from his life as a detective show up, and they're a bunch of drunks. And they're all kind of like all sketchy guys, and they're all mixing in with Nora. And Nora's just yeah. like, they're just serving them drinks, and they're all you know, it's everything's perfectly fine. These are these are people that would not normally be invited to uh, a posh hotel, but you know, because they're Nick's friends, Nora just accepts it. Right? Like, there's a guy who comes in or something. His name's Face, and it's like he just comes in and he's like, "Oh, Nick, you sent me up the river," and like they're just and they're still friends with Nick, who was the detective who put them in jail. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like, what kind of detective is that? <laughs> No hard feelings held out for, for Nick and Nora, uh, for, for Nick at least. And, you know, another thing too, I think, is that the the character who's said by um, Dorothy Wine, who played by Maureen O'Sullivan, she's, you know, she, Nick is a friend of the family and she's convinced that her dad is missing. And then when it seems like Clyde Winant is involved in this other murder, she doesn't believe it. And they get involved in this. There are like half a dozen Winant family members Throughout this movie, they get involved. Cesar Romero is in this movie. Of course, played the Joker on the Batman TV show. Everybody has their different motives as to what's going on as to, like, sort of cover up this case. And that's – I love that Nick seems – he seems – again, I'm saying use the word effortless. He seems like this is effortless then, but he's an incredibly smart guy. And it's another reason I like William Powell so much in this part. Yeah, I like what you said. And I think it's actually cool because at that part, we get to see Nick being a real detective. Like, all the cops find the body and go home. They're like, oh, we found – and I think they say it's one of his old enemies, which is how Nick met Wynette way back in the day in the first place. So it kind of ties in again. But Nick actually goes to like the medical examiner and is like being a detective and <laughs> yeah. doing his job. It's not really his job. But 
there's a great but scene. Staying one step ahead of the game. There's a great scene where he confronts uh, he confronts one of the possible suspects with Asta, and uh, he's trying to convince this guy that Asta will tear the guy apart if he's not careful. And of course, Asta just hides under a table because Asta is not exactly the the guard dog that they need to be. Right, he's the smart one in some of the cases. <laughs> like um, when uh, when after the party when. Nick and Nora are waking up and having that great conversation at night. And um, one of the one of the guys who talks like this, I forget his name, comes in, <laughs> comes in and wants to talk to Nick and has a gun and everything. You know, Asta goes and hides under the bed. Like that's he's making the smart move. <laughs> and like when he's getting ready to go out and do some snooping around Wynett's closed up shop in the middle of the night and leaving, I think that might be where the gif is from. But she was just like, and he's leaving, and they're still poking fun at each other. She's like, "I don't love you. I'm used to you," is all. And like, <laughs> like they're still teasing each other back and forth. When the cops go to investigate at one point, and he starts looking at Nora's bureau, and she's like, "What's that man doing in my drawers?" <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they cut yeah, the neck like on what? his face. Just yeah. like what? <laughs> you yeah, there's the... some racy lines in here. Apparently that line was supposed to be cut by censors, but they somehow managed to push it through. Yeah, I think it was that one. And then after Nick gets shot on um, on Christmas morning when they're talking about it, they're where he got, you know, it's like, oh, I read you got shot two times in the this newspaper. And then it's like, oh, I read you got shot five times in the tabloids. And it cuts to Nick. He's like, I didn't come anywhere near my tabloids. <laughs> Apparently that line... <laughs> was uh, not code approved. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, this is this is pre-code. This movie. I mean, just barely, but it is pre-code before the production code set in. Now, have you read the original novel, the, the Dashiell Hammett book? I haven't actually, which is unusual for me. But I like the movie so much. I don't need competing versions. Right. I mean, I read the book mainly because I like the movie so much. And while it does have some of that back and forth, because apparently Dashiell Hammett based their relationship with Nick and Nora between him and Lillian Hellman, who had an on-again, off-again relationship, it was really brought to the, the forefront by the, in the screenplay, which is written by Albert Hackett and Francis Goodrich, who were married in real life. And so they brought all of that kind of bantery stuff to the screenplay. You know, all the stuff with the mystery is not the stuff that you're there to see. and You're there for, for Nick and Nora. But the mystery stuff is really very beautiful in terms of how it looks. This film was shot by James Wong Howe, who was a renowned cinematographer. And there's a lot of scenes that are like really beautifully lit with these really dark shadows. In fact, there's one whole scene where Nick goes investigating. It's almost entirely black. You could barely see Nick at all, uh, which is, you know, again, it's pretty remarkable stuff. You know, they did sort of like let the audience sit there and just try and figure out what we're looking at here as, as this is all going on. But the, the all the scenes without Nick and Nora look like a film noir, you know, way, way before there was such a thing as film noir. And then it cuts back when it cuts back to Nick and Nora, then it looks like a sort of frothy MGM film. For for a film made on a very low budget, uh, it looks beautiful. I mean, it's a really sharp looking feature. Right, it is really well done. It like it flows nicely. And when you think about doing this in two weeks, is just amazing. And um, read about it. And apparently, one of Van Dyke's tricks or something, or he liked to get the freshest take, or he's like the first take's always the freshest. So he was like one take Woody was his nickname. That's right. But sometimes Myrtle. Myrna Loy co- like had commented, or another actress commented, that uh, he was frustrating because he'd be like, "Okay, you guys rehearse this scene," 
but then he'd shoot it, cut, and move on. Like he, like they didn't even know they would be shoot filming it. Right. Yes, I heard that. In fact, the uh, the scene with him, the the interest, the intro scene with Nick, where he is sort of being a smartass in the bar. Apparently, that was just William Powell on the set while they were getting it ready, lit, getting it lit, and he was just making little smart asides. And W. Van Dyke, W. S. Van Dyke recorded that. He shot it, and he didn't tell. He didn't tell Nick. Uh, Nick. <laughs> he didn't tell William Powell that he was doing that because he wanted that spontaneous feel to it and it really has that in fact there's a scene later on where there um there's a christmas tree and nick is using a bb gun to pop uh the balls off the tree basically just to to entertain himself and apparently that was something william powell did just off set while they were waiting and then they they worked it into the movie and it's hysterical to watch they're in this really you know posh room and there's Nick with his gun. And Nora's just sitting there watching this happen. And she doesn't like it, but she's not stopping it. She's just sitting there watching her oversized child of a husband just shoot things off a Christmas tree. Right. It is great. Well, she is sitting in, like, her giant brand-new fur coat just looking pretty. But, I mean, she also bought him the gun for Christmas. It was his present. So <laughs> That's right. She has that kind of, like, I don't know what I expected look. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Pal and Loy uh, went on to make, I think I mentioned, 14 films together, six of them Thin Mans, and they did other movies. I have seen every one of them. Uh, have you? Are you familiar with all their, the other films they did, their non-Thin Man ones? I've seen a few. I know. I haven't seen all of them. I haven't tracked them all down. Um, I can't remember the other ones that I've seen because I have a bad memory, but they're always just charming to watch. W.S. Van Dyke did another one with them called I'll Love You Again, which is Nick and... and I keep saying Nick and Nora, which is William Powell and, and Myrna Loy. They did one together. I think their last film together um, is actually a William Powell movie called The Senator Was Indiscreet, which is just a William Powell comedy. He plays a corrupt senator. And the whole joke of that movie is he keeps referring to this wife, this sort of battle axe of a wife that uh, we never get to see. And then at the very end of the movie, he ends up on this deserted island with his wife. And we finally see the wife, and she turns around, and it's Myrna Loy. And she has, like, one line. And, you know, it's like, oh, what a great <laughs> a great little gag to see the two of them together. Because, of course, you can't picture them. You can't picture anybody else married to uh, William Powell other than Myrna Loy. So, uh, and they went on, after The Thin Man ended, they both went on to sort of varying uh, careers. William Powell kept doing movies and then he retired fairly early in 1955 apparently he was getting forgetful and on the last movie that he did mr roberts he had such a difficult time remembering his lines he said that's it i'm done i'm not doing this anymore and he packed it in and he lived on until the 90s uh, but he stayed in retirement for a good four decades. Myrna Loy kept working, and she kept doing movies all the way up until the mid-'80s. And apparently, occasionally, she would try and lure William Powell out of retirement to do a movie. But uh, he wasn't having it. He just was he wanted to stay retired. So so in the end, he went out on a winner because Mr. Roberts is a, is a classic. And it's, it's great to see him. And I, I've seen him in other movies. He's in How to, How to Marry a Millionaire, another movie I love. And I just love seeing him. He reminds me of a family friend that we had. Uh, grown, when I was growing up, and he just has that kind of warm, avuncular tone to him. A bit of a smart ass, but it doesn't condescend. Uh, he's just one of the great actors, and you know he was a silent actor, and he uh -huh. one of the guys who managed to make it out of silence because he had a great voice. He had a what? I mean, I can only imagine the studio when they finally got to were like, oh my god, this guy sounds like gangbuster. So he managed to transition from silence to talkies quite well because he was pleasurable to listen to when he talks. Right. He was one of the few people who's like the talkies actually made his career in a way because before in the silent movies he was kind of like Myrna Loy, like he was like these weird foreign like 
Spanish villain types and <laughs> couldn't get out of that kind of typecast. Right. He ended up playing a detective. He ended up playing uh, Philo Vance, that detective. And in fact, the trailer for this movie, which is very unusual, features William Powell as Philo Vance talking to William Powell as Nick Charles. You know, that people were, they knew people were familiar with William Powell as a detective and they were selling him in the, as this new adventure. I mean, can you imagine like a trailer like that nowadays? Where an actor sort of acknowledges a previous role, that would you know they would never do that nowadays. But they, you know back then they knew William Powell was so familiar to people that you could sort of sell it that way. And it's a, it's a very inventive trailer. It's really uh, pretty pretty unusual. Right. I mean, it seems to have worked. These movies did really well. Yeah. People people absolutely talked about them. They're really it's a they're, it's a it's a the Thin Man is just again it's it's effortless to watch. It's so much fun. I watch it again for this podcast, and it would just. It's just watching the two of them is just such a such a pleasure, and you know you just think like you want everyone you would want your relationship to be like that, you know, just to have that this sort of self respect they have for one another, not self respect the the respect they have for one another, uh, and then the fact that like they can make fun. I mean, there's a there's this great bit where uh, Nick Charles jokes about that he's having an affair, and he says it right to Nora, and he knows Nora's not going to take him seriously, and it's again it's just such a beautiful thing that they they're two two grown adults that just know are completely on each other's uh, wavelength right like they completely trust each other there's no like, fear there i think even in the opening scene when Nora's asking who dorothy was and he was just like she's like oh, that's my daughter you know right. <laughs> and he's like, right right they talk about like this affair he had a long time ago and she's just like uh-huh uh-huh yeah. but and apparently they have been talking about a remake with Johnny Depp, which I completely am willing to please no. Yeah, please. I'll no. say it. <laughs> we don't need to say that. <laughs> now, now maybe I would. Ne- I would. I would necessarily be open to a Thin Man remake with like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Like that, I'd be kind of okay with. But Johnny Depp as Nick Charles? No, I'm not. As you said, please no. Mm. But uh, although, you know, again, you don't even need to really make a remake. This this film holds up perfectly well. I mean, you mentioned how young you are when you saw it, and you obviously took to it. And it's it's a movie that, you know, uh, even though well, it's a black and white movie and it's kind of, you know, definitely, you know, the, the, the uh, characters are from a very different era of America, it still works. It still works really well. You can be a little kid and enjoy this because it's it's entertaining and frothy and fun and it moves fast. And so, you know, you don't even really need to remake it. You just watch this. Exactly. And one of the reasons I think it works, too, that we haven't talked about as much because we've been just loving on Nick and Nora because they're amazing. But it's like all the other characters are just as great. There's so many B characters that are so just they just grab you right away. And like that's what helps makes it so rich too. like all of the Wynette family, all of these other petty criminals that are somehow tied in. Like they're all just such interesting, weird characters. Yeah, I like Nat Pendleton is in this movie as Lieutenant Guild, who is like you know, they're, they're basically their version of Lestrade, the kind of hapless cop and he ended up repeating the role in a couple later of the Finman movies and he's great at sort of double takes uh if anybody is not familiar with the name nat pendleton he is the drill sergeant in buck privates so he's the one that's constantly being upstaged by abin costello and he was that guy so he's he fits in really well with them i mean they all have to kind of go into this rhythm that uh that Powell and Loy establish as they go on. But yeah, you're right. All the other characters, there's a, which is the, which is the, the guy who's the, the kind of like um, the nerd, like the murder nerd, which I forget which guy that is. The one who's like obsessed with the crime oh. statistics. Is that Gilbert? Gilbert. Gilbert. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a yes. murder nerd. 
Right. And he's like, there's this one line where he's talking to his sister, um, Dorothy, who's like so upset because she thinks her father's the murderer. And she's like, I can't have children. Like, they're all going to be murderers. And he's like, well, let me tell you about this study that so-and-so did on, you know, spring peas. And I'd say only one in four of your children would be murderers. And it's like, what? Yeah, that's right. So you should only have three kids. <laughs> like, He's like, oh, wait, that might not work because the first kid might be the murderer. That's not going <laughs> to. And I love the scene where they go and they talk to the mistress and she gets mad at, uh, I forget who she gets, the guy that she gets mad at, but she throws a, a metal pan at him over his head and it goes crashing and Nick doesn't even budge right. when it goes flying. Like he just watches this sort of abuse that she goes, yeah, and she hauls it and she practically throws it right towards the camera. And I, I watched the scene a couple times over. William Powell just stands there and just watches it go by. Even though it kind of gets close to his head, he just kind of like, is, oh, okay, yeah, he's just watching these two people, you know, throw things at one another. Right. And one, that's a amazing because it's like they're yelling at each other and throwing things at each other and the cop just says we didn't come here to watch you roughhouse i'm like no domestic assault charges in the 30s or anything like that but then they reference that again at the end at the dinner party it's just like they're seating people and he's just like oh who should we put here and he's like oh the frying pan juggler like The uh, the final dinner party scene is is tremendous because it goes on for about again the way the film opens with the basically ten minutes of non Nick and Nora it ends the final scene is about ten or eleven minutes where it's just Nick talking going on and on and he it's funny the way he plays everybody because he seems to be accusing everybody one at a time because he says one of the mur- the murderer is at this table and then he starts going to person to person and of course each person thinks they're being fingered and they react in different ways and they're like I'm not the murderer and they get all upset and I love the way he sort of plays everybody and he ends up getting to the murderer basically last uh he kind of just lets everybody stew a little until he finally points out who the murderer is and it's like it's a very crafty way of sort of luring the the real murder into sort of this false sense of security because he the guy that guy thinks everyone else is getting blamed first and it's a it's a great scene for uh, William Powell the way he just sort of takes command of everything and he gets everybody to be quiet as he stand as he sits there and goes through everybody one at a time it's a really 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 fun scene right it's really amazing to watch him do it because I'm just like how would he remember all these lines and I think I read somewhere that he even said he had trouble remembering all his lines because he's just talking just like one one after another with accusing this person and then no you couldn't have done that and then going over this person and there's like 10 people in the room and it goes on for like 20 minutes yeah, I don't know how any I don't know how any of those guys do it, especially when you're making a movie in 16 days. You couldn't have had a lot of time to prepare. I mean, you know, the script's done ahead of time, but still, you're still trying to get everything else done. I mean, it's just it's amazing. I don't know how in an age you know before uh, e, you know uh, email and and uh, iPhones, I don't know how you made a movie in 16 days. I just don't know how you did it. And again, it looks beautiful. It's it's you know it looks slick. It looks like it cost way more uh, to make than it than it did. And you know it's a, ended up being a just a classic which an absolute classic i think it's on the afi top 100 or something like that and or it's i know it's in the library of congress as one of those aesthetically important films and it said it's just it's just an absolutely wonderful movie and it it set in stone my love of william powell and myrna loy and i went ended up following them from movie to movie uh a previous episode of this podcast we talked about the cheesy tv movie ants and the only reason i even watch it all is because it had myrna loy in it <laughs> i was excited about myrna loy it's <laughs> yeah i mean they're, they're just they're just my my favorite screen couple they're absolutely wonderful together they're great and maybe to help redeem Myrna Loy a little bit for being an aunt apparently she never really retired or just kept working and making movies because yep. at basically 
from her middle age on, she gave most all of her money to the UN Children's Fund. Wow. So if you make some, if you make some uh, money on bad movies and give it to the UN, like that's fine with me. Yeah. Wow. Good. Good job, Myrna Lloyd. Oh, that's wonderful. That makes me feel great. <laughs> it's just, that makes me feel even better about it. It's wonderful. They're both. Oh, you love those two. They're fantastic. So yeah, I mean that's the Thin Man. Everybody, uh, go get it. It's you can rent it on iTunes. It's available on DVD and on Blu-ray. There's a thin There's a Thin Man box set which you can get, which has all the films. Uh, they're really, really a treat. If you haven't seen them, you really go check out Nick and Nora Charles. They are a really great pair. So, um, Melissa, thank you so much for for coming on to talk about this. I really appreciate it. This was this was great. I love this movie so much, and I'm I'm happy to finally get around to it on the show. All right, thanks for having me, Rob. It was a pleasure. All of the back episodes of the Film of Wonder podcast and all our other great shows over on our network site, which is firingwaterpodcast.com. And you can follow the show over on Twitter, which is at Film and Water Pod. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, that's a wrap. California, Monday, June 8th. from its new home on Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood, California. Lux presents Hollywood. Such great personalities as William Powell, Myrna Loy, W.S. Van Dyke, Theda Barra, James Seymour, Minna Gumbel, Porter Hall, and many others will take part in this presentation sent to you by the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, the beauty soap of the stars. Appearing before a distinguished Hollywood audience, Mr. Powell, Miss Loy, and a cast of 18 great players present the play that has broken box office records from coast to coast, The Thin Man. And as producer tonight, we present the director who did The Thin Man on the screen, together with such triumphs as Naughty Marietta, Trader Horn, Rosemarie, I Live My Life, and countless other smash-hit pictures. Mr. W.S. Van Dyke. Mr. Van Dyke. Hello, everybody. Well, it's a great scene at the Lux Radio Theater tonight. And our audience, we have Betty Davis, Jimmy and Lucille Gleason, Bob Armstrong, Ole Olson of Olson and Johnson, Stu Irwin, Jimmy Starr, famous communist, Evelyn Venable, Mr. and Mrs. Leon Schlesinger, Maybe it would interest you on a little inside information on the show we're doing tonight, The Thin Man, and about William Powell and Myrna Loy, who are going to do it for you. As you know, The Thin Man was a best-selling novel by Dashiell Hammett. Hunt Stromberg, down at the studio, MGM, got a hold of it and brought it to me. Woody, he said, if you'll make this picture, I'll buy the story. Well, I read it, and while it was a good enough mystery story, there was something else about the book that struck me. Here was something new and fresh and very charming, a romance between a man and his wife. It's a story of a couple of kids that understood each other and had a blessed confidence in each other. Beneath all the casualness and all the wisecracking, there's a lovely, wholesome relationship. Something really deep and sweet and inspiring. Well, we decided to make the picture. Albert Hackett and Francis Goodrich wrote a swell script. William Powell and Myrna Loy played the parts. And how? They played them beautifully. Because Powell was just Powell and Loy was just Loy. Both of them wisecracking all the time and clowning right through the picture. I suppose you know that plenty of motion pictures take from two months to a year to shoot. We did The Thin Man in 16 days, retakes and all. Of course, it wasn't a pretentious picture. We didn't make it as one. 
I hate ethics. But it is evident that people liked it. It has been very interesting to study out how they can tell this story on the radio. Bill and Myrna have had a lot of fun getting it ready for you, just as they did making the picture. And from the original story, from the original motion picture cast, we have, and are fortunate in having, Minna Gondo, Porta Hall, William Henry, and Thomas Jackson here tonight. So here we go, with William Powell and Nick Charles, and Myrna Loy as Nora, in The Thin Man. Here they come, Bill Powell and Myrna Loy. a fashionable cafe, Momart, New York City. It's Christmas Eve, and the well-appointed dining room is filling rapidly. From the bar comes a good-looking young fellow of about 35, tall, casual, and worldly-wise. He's Nick Charles, the well-known private detective, played by William Powell. And he's waiting for his charming wife, Nora, played by Myrna Loy. As he takes his place at the table, a young girl on the other side of the room recognizes him and hurries over. <laughs> 